My wife and I went shopping for a new pair of shoes for my son, and I knelt down to see if they were going to fit. And I said to my wife, babe, I don't think these shoes are going to work. They're a little bit too big. And she said, no, 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 they're perfect. He has room to grow. And I thought to myself, don't we all? Welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast, and I'm so excited that you're here, uh, mainly because today we have a special guest on, a newer friend in my life named Roy Dockery is on with us today. He's an amazing activist, leader, pastor, entrepreneur, uh, thinker, author, YouTuber. I mean, you could list so many different things. And for some of you who are creative and everyone has been telling you your whole life that you need to do one thing and pick one gift, I think today may give you some comfort and some peace in your own skin. Roy has such an incredible background. It is riddled with um, uh, success It's riddled with learning. It's riddled with growth. And the one thing I know you're going to take away from today is that you better figure out who you really are before you do anything else. Even after you get off this podcast, my hope is that you really do that deep work of understanding who you are because it's in understanding who we really are that we begin to live from a place of power, a place of authenticity, and a place of full creativity. And Roy does an incredible job of bringing to light deep and complicated things and making them so simple. So today, enjoy this conversation with Roy Dockery. How in the world do you wear so many hats and move in so many different spaces? Right before we got on, you were having an HR issue you had to take (laughs) care of and business up on somebody, I'm sure. How How have you gotten here? Like, fill me in a little bit. Yeah. And so the the one thing that you left out is my actual occupation. Right. So mm. like I, I'm still a full time job um, and I'm a healthcare executive, a healthcare wow. technology executive. So I work in automation, um, automated material transport and software and all of this other stuff. So that was, you know, had a call with HR and I was like, all right, it's five o'clock on the East Coast. So my, my work day is over. But um, I've, I've had like four conversations today with with different mentees. And, um, and, I, and this it is funny because this similar question keeps coming up. And one thing that um, that I think has been helpful is that God has really given me confidence to be who I am 100% of the time, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I tell people, like, we go to, like, we're creative, catalytic people, and then we go to work and we just do a job. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, um, and so one thing I would say was, maybe it's so hard for us to do our job because only 25% of us is going to work. Mm-hmm. Right. So like it's it's so hard to get through the day and we're like, oh, this job sucks. But like the job sucks because you're not there. Right. So if you're a creative leader, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you work in the drive through at McDonald's. It doesn't matter if you're boxing pizza at Domino's. It doesn't matter if you're delivering boxes for Amazon. Like, how can you bring your entire self to work? Because what you're capable of creating Right. Mm-hmm. And, and what you do, the experiences, the relationships, the engagement, all of that that you do when all of you is present, you're constantly creating, you're wow. constantly working and developing and creating relationships and right and kind of building out the story that God has for you. Wow. And I think we compart we get so used to compartmentalizing that we actually become fractionally efficient. Mm. Right. So like, you know, so it's like because we feel like home is the only place we can genuinely be ourselves. So when I'm at home, right, I can be creative and I can be witty and I can be funny. But like if I'm at work, like I've got to be serious or like if I'm on staff at a church, then I can't be creative because I'm not the worship leader. It's like, no, just be 100 percent yourself all the time. And that was a struggle I had when I was looking at okay, I'm doing all of this stuff and I've got a lot of entrepreneurial stuff I could focus on. So God, do you want me to go into full-time ministry and just transition away from work, you know, save up some money and transition out? And then, you know, and I was praying about it and then then I kind of changed the question. So not, Mm. do you want me to go to full-time ministry? But I said, okay, let me get more specific. God, do you want me to quit my job? And then the answer that I got was you're already in full-time ministry. Right. Because I'm Pastor Roy all day. People at work 
at my secular corporate Swiss-owned company, Call Me Pastor Roy. <laughs> wow. Right? My YouTube videos are on LinkedIn. Nothing wow. about me is segmented. Nothing about me is compartmentalized. I have, you know, every time somebody passes away at my company, like there are people, there's some people in different organizations that'll reach out to me. Not even people that I know. I don't know. They're like, can you, you know, this person just lost their husband. Can you pray? This person just lost a child. Can you pray? And some of this is coming from people who aren't even Christian. Wow. But then when I'm at work, I don't have to pretend like I'm not a YouTuber. When I'm on right. YouTube, I don't have to pretend like I'm not an executive. When I'm doing music, I don't have to pretend that I'm not a rapper. Like, I'm just Roy. My calling is to be a pastor. So I try to lead and equip people in a way that God would have me to do in everything that I do. So, yeah. and, I, and I told somebody this the other day, everybody looks at the stuff that I do and they think I do so much and I still feel lazy. Mm. Right. Like I still go back and look at my calendar on a given day and I'm like, I could have done more of this. I could have I could have done that. Like, man, I haven't made any content today. I haven't put anything out. Right. And like right now I've got content scheduled to drop on YouTube through February. Wow. But I'm still like I need some more videos like I need to be doing something because <laughs> who I am is a creative person. Yes. Right. Like it's just who I am. It doesn't matter who's paying me for it. It doesn't mm. matter who's receiving it, who's consuming it. That's just who I am. And we feel like we got to have a box to put our creativity in. Like, mm. you know, if I'm why I'm, like, I love writing. Like, do I need to write a blog? Do I need to write a book? Like, or can I just write? Like, mm. just be who you are. Right. Mm. But then be who you are all the time. Like, there's so many opportunities. Like, I love to teach. Mm. Like, it's one of my giftings is to teach. Mm. And one of the reasons I wound up getting, like, I kind of accelerated my professional career because I became well known for training people when it wasn't my job. Wow. But I was just doing what I like, what I naturally like to do. No one paid me for it. No yeah. one asked me to do it. But there were yeah. people who didn't have information that I had. And I have a gift to be able to teach people. So I taught them. And wow. then what did my company say? Like, you can teach them so well. So why don't they report to you? Wow. So now you manage them. Wow. And then I went from being a manager to being a, a manager of managers to being a director. And then now I'm a the manager of directors as a vice president. But it's because I like developing people and I like teaching them. So my responsibility kept getting elevated, but I wasn't changing who I was as a person. Right. Right. right? And because now I get to lead people instead of running service calls and flying to Boston to fix a broke robot. Now mm -hmm. I have more time to pour into people's lives and now God's um, put me in a position where availability is my greatest resource. That's really right. Cool. So now I have availability. I can do a I can do a podcast with you. I can fly to California on a random Saturday to go do an event with <laughs> with Derek. Right. Um, yeah. And then, you know, and then be able to connect with people out there like that availability has like afforded that opportunity um, for me to be creative and be free. But I only found that freedom and and all of these things started to come together when I stopped separating and compartmentalizing myself. And one, of, yeah. and one of the big tangible things from a process that I did was I started, I had a, I started sharing my faith on LinkedIn, which mm. was a big thing for me. Cause that's like a no, no on mm. LinkedIn, right? This is a professional platform. It's no place for that. And, and then, yeah, like I just got convicted. Like, why am I hiding that part of my life? Like I'll talk, mm. people talk about sports on LinkedIn. Like it's not like I'm trying to proselytize on LinkedIn, but if I want to right. share, like, I didn't feel any guilt sharing a quote from the Dalai Lama. So why would I have a problem sharing a quote from Jesus? Yeah. So yeah. when I started sharing stuff like that, it was crazy because then I started seeing parts of my life align. Like when I launched my podcast, my largest podcast following is from LinkedIn, not Instagram, not my Whoa. music it's from LinkedIn. Wow. So that's why I get listens to in like 12 countries because of my LinkedIn following. And I talk about Jesus and racism and I'm not talking about business on my podcast, but there were people who wanted to follow the podcast because they respected you know, my profession or they'd see me speak publicly in a different sector. So when everything started to align and I stopped trying to control who saw what parts of me mm. and I started allowing people to see all of me, then like everyone who saw me found ways to to move and to empower areas of my life you know what I mean so like I had like odd people ask me to do concerts that I wouldn't even have thought 
listen to Christian hip hop or people ask me to come speak about racism at a wilderness retreat in the middle of, in the Northern woods of Wisconsin. Wow. Right. Because of a professional connection, but he saw my activism stuff on social media and on, on Facebook and on LinkedIn and was like, man, like your heart and your balance. Can you come up here and talk to our staff? Because a lot of them were from Minnesota that mm. were volunteering for the summer and George Floyd, the situation happened in Minnesota. So wow. like God just weaving that together and me just being confident enough to, to be vulnerable and open in that way to say like, look, God, like whatever you want me to do, right? Like I just have to present myself in a way and not try to control yeah. who sees me or, or who tries to use me in a particular vein, right? I'm going to yeah. be the tool that you made me to be. And whoever's trying to wield that for your benefit, for your will, and for the edification of your kingdom, then I have to be, then I'm open to it and I'm available to it. So I think that for me is what allows me to be so productive with honestly, without personally feeling busy. Because I remember, because I vividly remember, right, going into hip hop mode, Mm -hmm. going into let me get my brain ready for a show, like going into trying to shift into creative mode because like I put that to the side while I'm doing this very technical, logical, you know what I mean? Like I've got an engineering background, but I'm like, so like having a technical, logical brain, like it was, Mm -hmm. it was energy, like trying to shift, switch Mm -hmm. task, right? Because, and then when I have to get ready to preach, so now I got to get the HR issues out of my brain. I got to get the music out of my brain because I don't want to drop bars in the middle of a sermon and like always trying to compartmentalize myself based on what I thought the best version of myself I was trying to present to people. Wow. You know what I mean? So like you want to be extra artsy in this crowd. Yeah. You want to be extra corporate in this crowd. You want to be extra Christian in that crowd. We're like, no, I'm just going to be me all the time. Mm. And then whatever God wants people to receive, whatever relationship or connection or inspiration I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to receive or, or, or provide, yeah. it'll be there, right? And so I, I think that's why a lot of us are so tired yeah. because we're so compartmentalized that you know we're taking 25% of us into a hip hop show. We're taking yep. 10% of us into YouTube content, right? Because we, we're, we're, we haven't learned how to authentically be 100% ourselves at the same time. And that's why I love like Tobey Nwigwe. Mm. Right. Like the like the entire essence of like the way that he creates art and presents stuff like from his videos to to write random stuff that he posts to his lyrics. Like you can tell that's him. Yeah, like uh, that's authentically him in the same thing. And I, I'm going to butcher his name. He was at the thing in January. The drummer. Um, Quebis. Quebis. Uh, yeah. I didn't want to say his name wrong. But Quebis. Like, I, I, you know, that's one person. I'll see his stuff on YouTube and on Instagram. Like, that's who that dude is. Yeah. Right. Like just whatever. Like he would probably be outside drumming at a bus stop. Like it's yeah. just, he loves drumming. <laughs> like sure. it's his art and he wants yeah. to share it with people, but you can tell it's who he is. And when mm-hmm. he just like owned that, right. And like not trying yeah. to, you know, look like I'm going to be the backup drummer for Justin Bieber, not trying to look like I'm the, yeah. you know, the next drummer, just being himself and, and enjoying yeah. it. Um, then that, that allows him to do a lot and to be successful in that way. So yeah, that, yeah, I guess that's my my process is the and it's still an ongoing process, right? Mm-hmm. On how to how to consistently be authentic because our like our gifts are many, but in my opinion, our calling is one. Yeah. Right? Like we have a calling, but we have many gifts. So yes. when we keep aligning who we are as people with our calling, then mm-hmm. I think it brings our gifts into alignment. Yeah. And then we can be more effective at using all of our gifts in like a pointed specific direction almost like a yeah. laser focus right and be like yeah okay now i can cut through some stuff because i'm not i'm not you know off and spread in all of these different directions yeah it's a fascinating conversation because i've been having this conversation with my wife and you you jumped right in and it's like couldn't have been more in alignment like you're just it's like you've been in my house i know you haven't because i just have boxes everywhere and i, I would know <laughs> if you were here right now uh, but there's this there's this idea like a lot of people you know you talk about Kobe Bryant you talk about a, that Mamba mindset right you talk about LeBron you talk about these high performing athletes and a lot of people when it comes to purpose they get lost in the, their mindsets so they want to know like what's the mindset of someone yeah. who's great 
right? And so it's all about mindset. And I think the world gets stuck on this mindset thing, which I think there's, there's some stuff in there that's important, but mindset yeah. is ultimately rooted to perspective. And it's how you see yourself and it's how you see the world around you. And you have this incredible perspective over your own self, which we'll call for, for easy language, we'll call right now identity, right? Like you have this healthy yeah. perspective of who you are, that you're fully loved and you're fully free to be everything God's created you to be. And so there's this perspective. So my question is, when I listen to all of that, that you just said, which is gold, I hope you listeners are leaned in right now. <laughs> there's so much gold in it. When I listen to all that, the question that comes to mind is in your life, how did you get to that realization of your own identity? How did you come to this place of, okay, I got all these gifts, I got all these talents, that's cool, I'm trying this, I'm trying that, because there's, there's like, that's the entrepreneur, right? We try stuff, we try stuff, we throw stuff on the wall. KJ52, I'll never forget. He was like, Pedro, just throw poop on the wall and see what sticks. You know, like this is literally yeah. how success <laughs> happens. And I was like, there's gotta be better advice than that, getting off a plane somewhere in Atlanta or something. So yeah. for you, like, who helped the journey? Were there mentors? Were there books? Was there content? Was there a moment that sort of was a catalytic moment in going, this is who I am. And that ownership of your own God-given identity freed you from having to be anything else. Yeah. And so I think it. Um, there are probably a variety of moments, right? Just like what we talked about. I think there's a, a process to it where there's um, searching and rooting out where I think we can more effectively find our identity as we start to carve away what other people have put into our our hearts whether that's society family wow. right like because our, our identity winds up being shaped by a lot of external factors right so there's like so we wind up being this like block of marble right and that's and i forgot what what artist it was he was like i bring the right i bring the sculpture out of the marble like yes. i see it in there and i've just got to get it, it out i just free um, it. and so <laughs> I, I think a lot of us are kind of in that right we're encapsulated in people's expectations the world's expectations what does it mean to be masculine what does it mean to be successful what does it mean to be a christian and there's so many external things so i think over time Right. The, first of all, the more that I got to know and understand God and then the fact that like he loved me, it made me really want to be like, who am I then? Wow. Right. Because like he loves me, like his love is perfect. Right. Like and he loves me. So it's like, but why? Like, right. why would he love like what? You know what I mean? Like that, that doesn't yeah. make any sense because we don't spend a lot of time and we're not encouraged to really do that evaluation to say, like, who am I? Like, what am I good at? What value do I add to the world? Like, what is mm. unique about me? Like, what is, what is significant? Where can I have an impact? And so I think over time, especially as I get, got put into positions to lead, funny, like from, mm. a, from a business perspective, I think some of those moments that were interesting to me were when people said stuff about me that it was hard for me to resonate, like to just because of the, the bad image or identity I had of myself. Wow. So like for people to compliment me to this day still feels weird to me. Hmm. Right. Despite like what I've accomplished and, and whatever, like it still feels weird to me for people to compliment me because I've never seen myself as significant. I've never seen myself as unique or even like impactful. Like it, like it, hmm. it took a long time for God to even like reconcile that in me, like this is what I put in you. So it was weird trying to find that inside because, and so for me, it was a lot of people who spoke into my life at different phases mm. that said stuff that could kind of resonate with me, but I never thought it about myself. Like, you know what I mean? Like the first person, right? And, and I can go back to the, I was, at, I was working at a drive-through in McDonald's my freshman year of college. Mm -hmm. And I would interact with this lady. Um, her name was Miss Pickett. And she would um, she would she would drive her granddaughter to school because um, she was like the executive director of the local TV station. And so she would drop her granddaughter off at school and then she would go to work. But she they came to McDonald's five days a week. And my schedule, I worked from 5 a.m. to 11. Um, and this is probably a couple of months after I got saved or the summer after I got saved. And so working in the morning. And then I would interact with her every day and just talk to her, talk to her daughter. And, um, and you know, and I, no one had ever really said anything about the way that I speak, right? Like the, like the, the, the way that it like grabs people's attention or like no one had ever said that to me. And so 
she was in the drive-thru one day and she came through and she looked at me and she was like, please don't be offended by this question. But she said, why in God's name do you work here? Mm. And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, she was like, you, you are too special. You don't need, you shouldn't be working here. She was like, if I can find you something else to do with like your voice in your mind and the way that you think, like, would you be willing to do it? And then I was like, you know what I mean? And that was weird to me. Cause like, I've, I've always been an honor program and, you know, I had good grades, but no one ever really said anything like that to me that like, wow. I'm like, I'm right. I'm in, I'm taking money in the McDonald's drive through And I'm just talking to this lady for like 45 seconds, maybe a minute if the lines backed up and like, she saw that in me and it was weird, but like at the time, and you know, I'm super zealous new Christian, right? I'm like, Lord, what are you trying to say to me right now? <laughs> through, this, through this vessel of yours, right? Like going, you know, going to the cross. And then, you know, she set me up to go meet with the executive director of this organization. And he sat down and told me a problem he was having. And I laughed at him. And I'm like, I'm sorry, this probably isn't the way I should be interviewing for a job. But I'm like, you're telling me that you have a problem recruiting volunteers when I just came to your office and within six miles of your office are six universities with over 100,000 students. I said, college students are required to get volunteer hours. So are you just not looking? Like, how do you not have volunteers? Every fraternity is required to have a volunteer. Most athletes are required to volunteer. How do you not have volunteers for like three programs when there's like 150,000 college students within driving distance of your office? And he kind of laughed and looked at me. He was like, because no one's ever thought about that. Mm. And he was like, he was like, you do realize that and it was weird to me because I'm like, what do you mean? No one ever thought like that. Right. So that was another moment to me. To me, that was common sense. And he was like, but that's not common. So mm. like within a short period of time, somebody was like, you think differently when it comes to solving problems. And then the lady was like, you have a way of speaking that gets people's attention and, and kind of draws them in. And then like, so it was stuff like that over time where somebody would say something that I don't even necessarily agree with. But then as I walk through it, God like reveals that to me, like, yes, like this is how I made you. Um, and over time, it was not fighting against those, those moments, right? Not pushing mm -hmm. back against them, but really trying to test, you know, you know, test it with the spirit or just go to God and be like, like, okay. And then it, and then it, I think it expounded right in the same way. Like I, I enjoy teaching and like, I, I don't like people think I don't like public speaking. I'm not an extrovert. People think I am. I'm actually not like, I'd rather read a book, right. And watch Seinfeld. Like if my, my <laughs> ideal day is Seinfeld on in the background and me reading a book in my recliner in the sitting area in my room, like, Mm. But there was, you know, but there's times where I was called to lead. There were opportunities. And the funny thing is the job that I got or the company I wound up starting when I met with the guy from that organization was to provide training. It was to teach. So like, right. So it, it was not trying to, to, re to respond, I guess, to whatever was popular or what may have been cool, but like, and I tell a lot of my mentees, but going deeper and what I know is uniquely me. Wow. Right. And so because I had announced on a uh, Ruslan's channel that I was doing a Zoom call with him and I announced that I retired from Christian hip hop. And um, somebody saw it on a YouTube video and a friend of mine hit me up. He was like, why did you retire? And I'm like, because I learned that me speaking is more effective than me rapping. Wow. Like I can do it. Right. But I can drop an entire album and the amount of information people will pull from this conversation without them trying to interpret metaphors and similes and imagery and illustration like I can just talk to people and give them that information. And my desire, right? Like my heart is really to see people's thought process challenge, really to see people learn. So the most effective way for me to help people learn is not to rap because mm. people take too much subjective interpretation of creative things. <laughs> you know what mm. I mean? So I'm like, I would rather just talk. And so that's why when I started doing the podcast, I kind of shifted to that, but it's still teaching, right? It's still wow. teaching and using my voice to explain something um, so I, I think that, right, that there's there's ideas we have of ourself mm -hmm. um, and, and some of those ideas are confirmed, but we need to be able to be receptive to people who see things that are in our blind spots or that may be things that we can't see in ourselves because other people told us it wasn't possible or we weren't, you know, or we, we weren't capable. Right. So it's like learning to learning to believe um, what people say and then like understanding how to go deeper 
into who you naturally are. And it, again, not the time, but it kind of goes back to that. Who are you? Right. Yeah. That authentic yeah. and going deeper in it. I see a lot of people that they'll jump to one trend or right. That ever, whatever the new wind is, right. Like yeah. your music changes every time, you know, a new artist drops and you want to compete, but like, but just who are you? Yeah. Right. And then like, yeah. and then as people speak into that and you start to get that confirmation um, or you start to get that um, insight from somebody that can see something in you that you can't, um, not to reject it or to dismiss it, but to but to test it and be yeah. like, oh, like I am kind of good at that naturally because there's a lot of stuff we're working towards that we're trying to do. When at the same time, there's stuff that we can just naturally do because that's how God gifted us. Sure. So we can spend all of our, you know, and like I know you were a drummer and you, you talked about baseball, like you love baseball, like. I used to play basketball so much. Like I wanted to be in the NBA so bad, mm-hmm. but like I had to try so hard to be good when yeah. there are things that I can, that I honestly, and you know, that people, not even me, that people say that I'm great at when I'm yeah. not trying. Yeah. So I'm like, I might need to focus on that <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Right. Instead of yeah. like this willpower of discipline and, and you know, you need practice, you need effort, right. You got quality. Sure. You want to drive for excellence. But yep. there are some things that God specifically put in us for us to do. Yeah. And when we use those, it's like it can be it can be effortless, but so rewarding and productive at the same time. Yeah, man. So much, so much good stuff. For those of you listening on the podcast or not watching it on video, it this is this is you can write books on this content. This is so good, man. So I appreciate you sharing. Some of the things that are like really resonating with me that that I don't feel like a lot of people talk about in general, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you the, the mic on this one because I know you're going to just crush it. <laughs> what do you do when you have, this is a lot of entrepreneurs, especially young entrepreneurs and young creatives. What do you do when you, when all you can see is your giftedness, your talents, uh, but you have people around you who every time you do something, because you're, you're this guy, I, I was, I was this guy, you, people that you're the jack of all trades. Like there's nothing you can't do. Like you can just do whatever. I'm sure you've heard that a couple of times in your life. Yeah. Like, what do you do when other people only see your gifts? And so then they try to build enterprise or suggest enterprise around your life. Like you should start this thing and you should do that thing. And you're, so you spoke a little bit to this idea of like this deeper calling, this deeper why culture would call like finding your why which I think is actually, in my personal opinion, and I'm, I'm, I may or may not be writing a book about this right now, but I think it's the wrong place for us to start is when we try to find our why. I think yeah. the, the thing that God looks at us trying to, to, to secure in us is who. He wants us to know who we are. And when we know yeah. who we are, we begin to understand our why and then everything else sort of naturally unfolds. But what do you do when you're a person who's got like, you can produce records if you wanted to, you could write, you could... You could tell stories, you could shoot film, you could, I mean, there's just so many, I mean, I know you, like you're, you're, you are that guy. The moment I met you, dude, I knew you, I think you're talking to um, one of my mentors, CZ, Curtis Zachary. Yeah. I talked to him this morning, actually. Oh, good. (laughs) He's a legend. (laughs) And I I was walking by and I'm just like listening to y'all's conversation. And I was like, 90% of this is like out of my league. Like you guys (laughs) just talking. I was like, you guys are out of my league. Um, But I found people like CZ, Curtis Zachary, who look in my life and rather than go, well, Pedro, you're a good communicator. So you need to do this job. Yeah. How do you find friends? How do you find mentors that actually don't just look at your gifts and go, Oh, you should take that talent and go work at U-Haul in the customer service department, or you should take that talent, but actually look at you more holistically and go, I think there's this deeper thing inside of you. That is like the image of God in just like the thumbprint of God in your life. How do you find friends that can can help you uncover that thing? I I think because LinkedIn, it might be hard to find them on LinkedIn. I'm just gonna yeah, say, like, you know yeah, what I mean, like or anywhere really, right? Because and one, I think it's such an underutilized gift mm. um, to be in. And and me, it's funny. Me and CZ talked about this. We, me and Curtis talked about this this morning. It's such an underutilized gift being a leader of leaders. Yeah. Right. So when you have entrepreneurial enterprise kind of thing, and this is what God confirmed for me last year that my gift is, is to actually lead leaders because leaders who have followers, right, right, like have a tendency to direct people based on a function. 
Yes. Right. And that function can be aligned with the gift. Like I have a follower who reaches out to me and said he loves music. So then I encourage them in music because yep. you're not trying to evaluate when you're looking at a leader. It's like, who are you and what are you trying to accomplish? Mm-hmm. And then how do I help lead you as you lead in all of those areas? Yep. Right. So I think, one, we have to stop leading with our gifts because that's so how good. most of us have learned to create relationships and network Like when you meet somebody and be like, hey, man, I'm a videographer. Like, can you be mad when they only give you advice about films and videography? Like, that's what you introduce yourself as. So going back to what you said about who, what is your, we need to really understand what our identity is. Wow. Right. And you mentioned that earlier. So it's like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a videographer. And so that's why like my best friend does, does film. He was like, I stopped calling myself a videographer. I'm a director. Because even the kind of the way people look at them is like videographer, okay, can you give me some help some, on how to shoot stuff? But he was like, like no, I'm a director. Like, and, and I actually told him, I said, you're not a director, you're actually a writer. You Ooh. just, you don't trust anybody to illustrate your own story, so you're also directing them. Yeah. He was like, <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. But again, leader of leaders, I've known you long enough to know that's not all you are, right? Yeah. So because of the fact that, especially with social media from like even the MySpace age, right, where we started checking off boxes for interest, Mm. we've become compartmentalized, right? Like yes. we present a certain part of ourselves to people. So most of our relationships are based off of one of those tangents, right? Yes. I met you because I did music, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and that's the thing. So like, if I would have met you at the, at the Brave Work conference and I would have been performing as a rapper, that would have been the context through which you knew me, but I was just there. Yeah. Nobody knew why I was there. They knew yeah. who I was there with. And then it was kind of like, okay, like who is this guy? Yeah. Right. Because you, you couldn't identify me based on any kind of gift, based on something I was doing. And yeah. a lot of us tend to meet now in those intersections. I met you mm-hmm. at a concert. I met you at a speaking engagement. I met you mm-hmm. at a church event. I met you at a networking event. And then we have a tendency to keep people there. So even as a friend, we need to learn how to start to try to understand people outside of you know, like the, the one connection or that original relationship, we need to deepen our relationships, which is hard to do in our superficial social media world that yeah. we live in. Right. So, yeah. you know, like, cause I tell people all the time, you don't know me well, if you don't know my son's middle name. Wow. Yeah, that's good. Like my son's middle name has deep meaning to me. So mm-hmm. if you don't know what his middle name is, then we're not that close, which is, which is fine. But like someone who's speaking into my life, right. That that wants to get to know me and help me develop, like you've got to understand that level of depth. And because of social media and, and we can kind of, I, you know, I said we've become like voyeurs of people's lives instead of actually being involved in them. Yeah. So I see your wife, like even your wife and your son, like I can see your family on social media, yeah. even though I've never directly talked to your wife. And like I saw your yeah. son when we went to dinner that time. But then like I start to feel like I know your family when really I only know you. Right. Right. And so, and, you know, so it doesn't create that like expanse. Right. So I think mm. one, as it, every individual, we need to deepen our friendships, but wow. we also have to stop leading with our gifts mm. and we have to lead with who we are. Right. Like, mm. you know, this is who I am. And then if people want to start when once people start to get to know you, they know and understand your gifts. But we don't need to use that as the key to open that door, because often those doors have those rooms have limited space. Yep. <laughs> so it's like, you're a drummer. I know you as a drummer. If I need a drummer, I'll reach out to you. That's right. how I put your name in my phone. Right. Right. Cause I've got people's name in my phone. Rap fan. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. dude from Texas, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like underneath the <laughs> promoter, name, promoter. Right. Because that's how I know you. Right. And then we don't get past a lot of those relationships to where we can have people wow. that are speaking into our situations at a higher level. And honestly, everybody can't do it. So you have to find those, like you, you said, you've got CZ. You have to find those that have that, that, have that gift. And that's why the, the, the whole thing of seeking out mentors mm-hmm. um, is what we write. Not, not somebody who's YouTube video content that you watch, right? Because mm-hmm. now we're, we're consuming mentoring, but we don't have the actual relationship. We're consuming the information without the relationship. Wow. Um, I think we need to bring mentoring back, right? Where you, where yes. you get relationships with people who are looking at you to your point holistically and saying, okay, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a creative. This is my occupation. These are my gifts. 
like, can you help me navigate some of this stuff? So when I, you know, so like my mentees will bring stuff to me and I'm like, yeah, that sounds dope for your music career, but how does your wife feel about that? Yes. Right. So if I was only advising you as an artist, I would tell you to go all in and put all your money into this when, when I know, but if I know your financial situation, right. And, and, and your, and how your wife is feeling about investments and, and, and things that you're about to do the vacation or the home that you're trying to buy, then I'm obviously not going to advise you to, to sink all your money into trying to get on a Spotify playlist. Right. Like, but we don't know each other that deeply because we don't, we don't really, I don't think we value that like mentoring relationship because we don't even see it at church. Right. You have people who only know you at church as an attendee. They don't mm-hmm. really know your family. They don't know your occupation. They don't know your gifts. Or so it's it's a lot of transactional relationships. Yeah. And not holistic relationships. So we have to be intentional about holistic relationships and and being vulnerable to that. Right. Be like, look, man, I'd, I'd really like to connect with somebody that I can be open and honest with. You know, what I'm saying like I'm trying to figure out who I am. I'm trying to, you know, work on my calling and my and my purpose and all of that. So can I have somebody to bounce stuff off of instead yes. of trying to find like where your value, you know, where your value is in that relationship. Like I'm the cool guy who knows this and you should know me. Like, mm-hmm. no, sometimes you just, you just need people to speak into your, your situation um, and into your life. And so, I mean, I, that's the one thing I would say, I think people need to, we need to get back to like intentional mentoring and yeah. not like these transactional relationships that I think um, social media exacerbated it. Because yeah. now it's transactional and it's virtual. Yep. So that makes it even worse. Like I think it's we even, need to get yeah. back to mentoring. So I would encourage entrepreneurs, right, to find people um, who, you know, who may not, don't even have to be in the same space or even necessarily creative, but somebody yeah. who will take the time to get to know you fully, holistically, and then try to provide you guidance and feedback, right? Who, you know, and I mean, faith to me is the big thing, right? So someone who acknowledges and understands and aligns with your faith, and then somebody that can help you try to achieve your goals. Um, and even if they're not creative or artistic, but somebody who can hold you accountable, somebody that can be a sounding board and just listen, um, yeah. you know, that whole Titus, you know, um, and Timothy, like the older men, you know, doing stuff with the younger men. I think we've lost yeah. a lot of that. Yeah. Like most of us don't have people older than us to speak to. speak to, Right. Because like, where'd they all go? <laughs> like, yeah. Where are all the 50 year old guys for the people like me who are in their late thirties? Where are the, guys in their late 30s for all the guys who are in their 20s and and vice versa like we've all become transactional most of our circles are people who have the same level you know life experience and they're the same age as us and we're all doing the same thing where that mentoring was normally cross-generational on purpose right Mm -hmm. it was somebody either a generation or multiple generations ahead of you so that some of their experience can can inform you um, and have that information. So I think we need to bring that back because we spend too much time around people who already think like us, who already act like us, and who haven't been through some of the things that we're approaching. Yeah. So we need to reach out to some of those people that that are right. Like I'm like right now, like I'm looking for a mentor like in his seventies. Yeah. Right. I need a mentor with grandkids. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's what like I want. So I've got somebody like in their fifties. I need somebody that's like seventy um, yeah. because I want to be able to have that that generational knowledge. Well, I'm not your guy then, man. I just, I hate to tell you, I'm just, I'm just not, I'm not there yet. I can't, I can't speed time up. Uh, You know, there's something really interesting in this conversation that I want to kind of zoom in on for a second as we talk about mentors and understanding our gifts and sort of all things that sort of blend together for the entrepreneur, because it's all like a, a, what do you call it? A crock pot. Like we got a crock pot brewing right now, but I want to, I want to zoom in on a particular ingredient that we're, we're talking about, but I want to go deeper. So one of the things you're mentioning is this idea of sort of knowing your, 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 yourself, but also I want to make that like super practical for our brave work community. Right. For me, when I started uh, traveling, I was uh, about 19 years old and it picked up pretty fast. And so I'm on planes and people are like, so what do you do? You know, the questions, the, the plane ride question, which I know you've yep. had plenty of those in your, <laughs> your international travel. And you know, so what do you do? And that's how it starts. It doesn't start with anything else. It doesn't say nice watch. They don't usually say anything about your shirt or your clothing. Most of the time it's just, Hey, so what do you do? You know? Yep. And that conversation for me for years was like the scariest, hardest conversation because what I was doing is, is I was assessing just even in the physical realm, I was assessing what I saw in them 
and what they probably thought of who I was. Like I'm yep. thinking this is like classic cynics. If you're, if you're familiar with the cynics, this is classic cynics. They're like, most of us think more highly of ourselves than anybody else, but we care yep. far too much about what others think at the same time. And so yep. that was me for years on, 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 on Delta flight, you know, 1770 on my way from Atlanta to Portland to play a show and especially when I got started getting upgraded, which you know all about that life. Yep. You start getting upgraded in the first class. We're in the first class, you got the pinky up. Be like, well, what do you <laughs> think I do? <laughs> well, I, I do important things, of course. So <laughs> hold on, let me sip this. Uh, you know, my coffee's burnt or I would do it. I have an ember mug and I don't know how to use it fully yet. So it's just like burnt <laughs> coffee at this point. Um, <laughs> but I'm on the flight, right? And they go, what do you do? And then I go, okay, he's in a suit. He's fancy. Uh, I'll tell them about how I coach other people in this thing. And there were true things, but I was trying to pair almost like I was like a, a store, like Amazon store. And I was trying to pair this consumer over, over my craft and my craftiness into the thing that I thought he would most be interested in, in my life, as opposed to just opening up my life and saying something else than just yeah. like, oh, well, I do this thing and you'll think it's valuable. Even though I'm on my way to be a drummer and play a show. And what I began to realize through a lot of work in mentors, like what you're talking about, is that I needed a sentence for myself. I needed a sentence for myself that went beyond the task of the day, went beyond my calendar appointment, went beyond the, the tour I was on. It was something deeper. So what, what, So yeah, yeah, I'm playing shows and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play a lot of shows this year. I'm going to do a lot of cool stuff. And, and I'm speaking in public schools and I'm working on this book and I'm, you know, all these different things are happening, but what is the deeper thing that I really do? And I believe that thing is ultimately connected to our identity. For me, I came to get a sentence and I'm going to ask you in a second, how, do, how, do you, how would you answer this? For, if we were in first class together, how would you answer the sentence? But my sentence was when people are now is when people say, what do you do? I say, I help people discover, enjoy and sustain their purpose. That's yeah. what I do. I help them discover, I help them find it. I help them uh, enjoy it because it can get tiring. Even the things you're great at and even the things you love, even when you know who you are, sometimes it can exhaust you. You got to learn how to steward it and take care of yourself. And also I help them sustain it. That's, that's scaling, that's growth, that's mentors, that's development, ongoing, that's pouring your life into other people's lives. That's the ultimate thing that I do. Now, it takes on different forms. It, it moves through different crafts. Like uh, I'm working on a film idea. I'm wrapping up the second, I'm doing the second book now. Um, I'm do, like, it takes on different forms, but ultimately, even in my parenting, I help my son discover, enjoy, and sustain what? His identity, who he is. Yeah. And I'm helping him cultivate that holistically. So for you, you're in first class. We're in first class right now, right? Hold on, let's do it. Let's pick you up. <laughs> and, I, and I look at you and I go, hey man, what do you do? Yeah, I'm say? a pastor. Boom. Right. And then it's and it's weird because I'm in first class. So, yes, I was just going to say it. I'm it, glad it you said it. It's really weird conversations. And then because then and then it, and, the, and the reason I do this, because I also like to challenge like, you know, and it's, yes. it's, it's probably I need to pray about this. Right. But I like just social archetypes. Right. So like most of the time, if I'm not flying to a meeting, like I'm in first class, but I have on like joggers and a hoodie because I'm flying to a hotel. Right. Like the suit yeah. is in my suitcase. Like I'm yeah. comfortable. Yes. So like nine times out of 10, just because I'm especially going to the West Coast or leaving Colorado, like I'm flying to a hotel, not to a meeting. So like I'm in first class casual. And then when they ask me what I do, I'm like, I'm a pastor. And because and then and it's funny because the follow up question, 99 percent of the time is, OK, oh, that's cool. Like, where are you a pastor at? And then what I respond with is, oh, pastor isn't my occupation. It's my calling. Mm. And then. Right. And then it's like, oh, like. Well, that's interesting. And then people take one of two forks. Yeah. And they're like, sure. oh, well, okay, what's your occupation? Because I definitely yeah. don't want to talk about um, yeah. calling. And then that's what people do. And that's where it normally leads, right? So when people be like, oh, really? Like when you say you're calling, like, what do you mean? And then I talk about purpose and, you know, like the core values of my family, your love, equity, service, and truth. And, mm. you know, this is the way that we, we kind of walk through life and how we serve people. So I get to talk about like all of that, right? Music and the nonprofit and, you know, the books and the devotionals and poetry and everything else that I creatively do um, within my calling, including preaching and teaching. 
in the calling side. And then when I get to talk about my occupation, right, I start talking about automation and service and software engineering and development and working in the healthcare space and then, um, you know, critical care and, and how we touch patients and, and all of that other stuff. And, and then it, you know, ultimately kind of goes that pivot, but like, that's, that's the way I normally like to start it because it, it cause it's a contrast to them. Cause right. They're like relative. I mean, most people see me, they don't know how old I am. So especially like when I got on a hoodie and some joggers, people are like somebody the last week, they're like, what are you like 19? I'm like, no. Wow. <laughs> um, but you know, so it's like that dynamic, but it creates that conversation. And then, but what I do is I kind of give them that split. So, okay. And like you said, like, cause I don't want to pick for you because, and I, I was, I was smiling when you were talking, cause I used to do exactly what you're talking about. Right. Especially when I first started getting upgraded, maybe like and that was probably like seven years ago because I've been flying a lot (laughs) for the last decade. But that's what I would do. So I would kind of look at the person and then just to mess with them, I would be like, I'm a rapper. Yes. Right. And like and it's the most businessy right dude with a with like a Republican, you know what I mean? Like a Republican lapel pin because he just came from like the RNC. Right. The dude with the American flag lapel and. You know, just like and try, I tried to like because I honestly because I wanted to have the most interesting conversation. Mm-hmm. So like I tried to present what I thought was the furthest opposite of them, so that we could kind of have this interesting conversation. And a lot of them were interesting, um, but I noticed I always kind of still wound up back to pastor mm-hmm. and the way that I lead in that fashion um, and the way that. So like I've had people on planes like donate to my nonprofit before and. And like wow. order my book while we're on the plane or <laughs> and I used to carry copies of it and um, and give them to them. But then, like, again, from an identity perspective, you know, like my family has a mission statement. I don't know if you saw that picture on um, on Instagram, but in my family room, there's like a you know, there's a there's a there's a portrait that kind of has our sentence. Right. It's our family sentence. And then our core values are all through our house, like in all the different mm-hmm. rooms and classrooms and bedrooms. Um, because that's who we are. So even now with my family, right, I'm trying to ingrain that in my children. And, and we wrote the mission statement collectively. Like we all came together with the exception of my, my three-year-old at the time. And when he's old enough, we'll rewrite it. Yeah. And on, then we'll add on. his input and add his gifting um, and where he feels like. And so there's, and so for everyone that out there that's listening, whatever, I think one thing, so there's a book called Lead Like Jesus hmm. by Ken Blanchard. Um, hmm. And there's a whole lead like Jesus encounter and kind of like a, a development program. But one thing I love is that they they kind of encourage people to write a personal, like a life mission statement or vision. And mm-hmm. one of the ways that, and, and I actually went through the whole program to get facilitated to like hold the workshops. <laughs> um, one of the things that that they said is that, you know, basically when you talk about who you are and how that aligns to your calling, He said, you know, you have to evaluate what you see wrong with the world. So, right, like the, so you ask yourself the question, what do so there's actually like an, you do it like an inventory, you write down your gifts. So Mm -hmm. what do you feel your gifts are? And then he says, okay, what do you see wrong with the world? Like, what do you Mm -hmm. think is wrong with the world that that you see that you think God wants you um, or that God's bringing to your attention? And then like the third question is, okay, then your mission statement is how do you use your gifts to improve upon what you see wrong with the world? That's great. Right. So, and then, and that's, we actually went through that and that's how we came up with our mission statement. So my daughters and my wife, they wrote down their gifts. We all wrote down like our view of what we see wrong with the world and what's lacking. And then Mm -hmm. we collectively, and then we actually all wrote individual statements. And then there was overlap in all of our statements in love service, equity, and truth. So wow. then we put all four of them together. But I think that's, you know, so when you say like the purpose, right? And oh, what's the what's the purpose for my life? Um, and, you know, so I think you need to understand who, and I was talking to a young man the other day, but we need to understand what, mm-hmm. right? Like if we see something wrong with the world, us creative people, our, our, us entrepreneurial people that, that always see something that we want to fix and we want to we address mm-hmm. it and adjust it, that's because God's given us the ability right? To, to see things a certain way, right? Mm-hmm. To see, to see um, creative things, to see problems, to see solutions, to see innovation that other people don't see. So like, we've got to understand what that, what that unique view is that we have and what is it that God wants us to add to the world. Mm-hmm. And I think that helps us with the who, that helps us with our identity, right? And then it helps us deepen the other stuff that we've been talking about. 
right? Wow. Our focus, like who, you know, how do I get development in development in this area? Um, how do I grow in this area? Because it's like, yeah, like God made you as a, I, I tell people all the time, like if God made you a screwdriver, right? A Phillips head screwdriver, for instance, hmm. I can't misuse you using you to screw in a screw because it's what you're made for. Right. But if you're a screwdriver and I try to use you as a hammer, hmm. then I will damage the screwdriver or I won't effectively nail in a nail, right? Like mm-hmm. if I try to use a Phillips head screwdriver on a flathead screw. So just in a very practical sense, like God made you for something very specific. Mm-hmm. And if you find the way to get in position, nobody can misuse you Wow. when you're being applied, right? When you're applying yourself, doesn't, right? it doesn't matter how quick you turn, how fast you turn, how much force you apply, a screwdriver will screw in a screw as long as it's in the right place because yep. that's the application it's designed for. Wow. And a lot of us are screwdrivers, but we're we're wrenches and we're wedges and we're hammers and we're ice picks. And like, no, like you're a screwdriver. So go build that table and that table and fix that window and do that and do that. So it doesn't mean that we have to specifically do one thing. Hmm. It's mean that it means that we're designed to where when effort is applied to what we are, it produces something amazing for God. Wow. Right. So like when I when I use you, then then you then then God gets the fruit, gets the glory of what he made you for. Um, Mm. And it's what you were made for. So it doesn't drain you. It doesn't Mm. burn you out. It doesn't kill you. It doesn't break you. It doesn't you know, you're not abused by it because you're just being used in your purpose. And that's that's what's wrong when we when we write, we tend to step out too much in, you know, we or we get associated even in ministry from just gifts, Mm -hmm. because then. Like, yeah, I can I can sing, but then you just keep wanting me to sing and sing and sing. And you have people that ruin their throat and, you know, yeah. ruin their vocal cords yeah. because they were just pressing so hard in that one area. Yeah. We're like, no, like you like you're you're a tool specifically designed for by God. So figure out what your application is and what he wants you to repair and to work on in the world. Um, then you'll you'll be set. Right. You can you can work hard. You won't be broken. Um, God will renew you. He will, he will re- refill you right when you go out and do the work, um, the brave work, right? That, yeah. that he's called that he's called us to do. So good, man. We got about five minutes left and I, I want to end with rapid fire. I've never done this. You're actually our first, believe it or not, for Brave Work Podcast. You're the first interview outside my wife, uh, which we're one. So we just we just count as one. <laughs> so you're, you're going to be the first one, which I'm so pumped because you have so much uh, gold you're dropping on us. And it's so helpful. And I think our, our community is going to benefit so much from it. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to do rapid fire at the end. So you don't have a ton of time to think. You get about 30 seconds to answer a handful of questions to the best of your ability. And so don't, don't over-process them. The whole fun in it is just you just going, get us, yeah, right. hit us with the savage truth. Like that's what we, that's what we all need more of in the world. So here we go. Let's drop in. As a business owner and a leader, what did 2020 teach you the most? As a leader, 2020 taught me the most that people care about, people have a lot of respect for for people who care about their well-being, Mm. right? You think people just come to work for a paycheck? They genuinely do care if you care about them and their health and their family, Cause I got wow. so many, I have a anonymous feed, like a customer or like employee feedback box. That's and I had cool. so many people that were like, I'm so glad I work here. And I really appreciate the fact that you care about my family. Cause I would send emails out. Like, I hope everybody's well, how can I help you? Whatever else. But I, you know, I thought people wanted to be like applauded for their technical expertise or whatever. And even though my title is the vice president of customer care, I think yeah. I underestimated how much people value you caring about them. That's so cool. What's something you learned being in the military? You were in the military. What's yes. one thing you wish everyone could learn from being in the military? That you can learn something you didn't know if you try. Ooh. Everybody who goes into the military learns how to do something they didn't know before. So that means we had the potential to do it before we went. We just weren't doing it. I went from an IT business education, information technology to operating a nuclear power plant. And I didn't even like, I didn't like chemistry in high school. I hated science. And I became a nuclear engineer operating a nuclear power plant in 18 months. Wow. So we, I think we not, you know, and the military pushes your physical limitations, but I think too often we overlook the fact 
that the military is giving people a technical skill and something that they had to do with their mind that they had no idea that they were capable of doing before they went in, right? Fixing an airplane, fixing a Hummer, operating a radar system, all of this stuff that some random kids wind up learning how to do. Um, I think it, we need to take away that we all have the aptitude to learn. Sometimes mm. we just don't have the best programs to train us on how, so to, how to learn the stuff that we want to do. But we have the potential because people do it every day, right? 18-year-olds yep. go to learn how to fix an F-22 Hellcat mm. with a high school diploma. Wow. In six months of training, right? Not a four-year engineering degree, six months worth of training, and you're fixing an airplane. So we have more, we have a greater aptitude to learn new things than we give ourselves credit for. Wow. Give me the hardest business lesson in about 30 seconds, the hardest business lesson you've learned to date. That investing money for good people and for good purpose doesn't make it a good investment. Ooh. So I just, yeah, tell me more. Hold on, hold on, pause. <laughs> what? Wait, say that again. So invest, in, investing money into good people for a good purpose doesn't make it a good investment. Wow. And from a business perspective, especially dealing with like CHH, right? And being a promoter and trying to help people develop their careers, right? Spreading Christian music with positive messages seems to be a good idea, right? Like, you know, investing in good people who want to do something for God seems to be good, but that doesn't make it a good investment. So you, we have to be very mindful and prayerful about the, the power and the influence of money and mm -hmm. like how God wants us to wield and use that power, right? I think wow. because stuff is Christian related or ministry related, we may not use some of the logic and the, and the cynicism, <laughs> maybe in the, in, the, in the defensive pessimism that we would apply to everything else. Mm. Um, as we would do to, to Christians, right? And we are called to be good stewards. Yeah. So even with the good heart and then, you know, throwing good money after bad and casting our, our pearls to swine at the end of the day, um, that, but that was the biggest thing, right? I just, you know, thinking that everybody who's Christian that wants to do something for Jesus has good intentions, will do the right things with the money, um, mm. that, you know, that you'll see the return or that people, you know, that the investment will, will, will be fed out properly is just not. Right. So it's like, you know, just just because it got Jesus on it doesn't mean that it's got the, the stamp of approval. Um, so we got to be just as evaluative um, and and kind of contemplative of stuff that's got a Jesus stamp on it as we would anything else. Right. Like we've so got to we've got to look at it and not just jump in and be like, oh, I know this good Christian brother and he's got a good idea. So let me throw it in. But I'm like, if you mm. took the Christian out of that concept, would you still invest? Wow, that's good, man. Right? So if you evaluated the same way and didn't take the, the, the kind of conviction or maybe the pull, the lean that you have to help because it's Christian, yep. would you help him with his apparel company if he was just selling stuff to skater kids, right? Like, yeah. if, it, if it didn't have a cross on it, would mm. you do it the same way? Like, if his, if his music didn't have Jesus in it, would you promote his show the same way or put money in it? Um, and then just mm. evaluate that because I, I think a lot of people, that's why you don't have a lot of Christian music promoters. Like, you know, you know, Derek, I know Derek, because a lot of us throw money into it because it's, because it was God. Right. And then a lot of the people who were receiving that, whether it's artists or, or fans, they didn't, you know, they, they, they took advantage of those investments and that can be hurtful. And then people kind of push away from, um, from those, those industries and, and those investments entirely, which is, yeah. which is not what you want. Yeah. Give me the top three habits that have shaped your life. 30 seconds. Reading books mm. to get information from myself, things that have citations and references and footnotes. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so reading um, my marriage and making my marriage a priority and the relationship and the way that I communicate with my life, my wife and like our oneness Mm. being like a like a like the top priority behind serving God and everything else um, mm. that I do because I know a lot of people that put their you know they don't treat their marriage as their first ministry or their family mm. as their first ministry so um I think that and then as growth and change happened I had that support system that was there that could be trusted um and three is actually learning how to budget mm. 
um, as an entrepreneur, as an executive, even as somebody who makes money, like we got to learn how to, I think Dave Ramsey says, you got to learn how to tell your money where to go. Yeah. Um, so I think budgeting, because one thing about creative people who can make money, we actually run into the, like, we don't have to budget, mm. right? Like, to be honest, I've been able to make money since I was eight years old, legally yep. or illegally. Yeah. So like having, but to be real, like having yeah. money has never been a problem for me. I can always figure out how to have money. But then, so for me, like, why do I need the budget? If I spend money and I need more money, I can make more money. So like, mm. because budgeting to me in, you know, culture that had grown up in poverty, budgeting was something that poor people had to do, right? Mm. I, I, you know, like I never understood that money was about controlling your resources, not trying to, not trying to control limited resources, because that's how budgets, right? Like you got to get on a budget to manage your funding. It's normally kind of casted as like a lower middle class thing to do. Yeah. And I've always been able to make money. So like, I never worried about it. I always made more money than I needed. Wow. So I was like, I'm good. I don't need a budget because I always got surplus. Mm -hmm. But then getting into like the nonprofit and stewardship and I'm like, okay, but there's so much more that I can do with my money. If I'm, if I'm, if I pay attention to where it's going and then budget and put stuff in different categories and then set stuff aside. So yeah, like, and so, cause the one thing, you know, and to tie to that, the one gift, the, the one not gift, but advice I give to all my mentees is that your goal every year should be able to make more money and spend less. Mm. Right. So that That's you have great. more to give so that you have more to invest so that you have more um, that you can use to be open-handed with whatever God wants you to, to get involved in. But that all stems from, from budgeting. And so I think that's the last piece of life advice that I got very late. Like I started budgeting like two years ago. That's great. So how many, yeah. how many hours, how many hours a night do you sleep? I sleep probably on, I normally sleep about eight hours a night. So rest is very important. I've got like four books down here on rest. I actually try not to set an alarm clock. Wow. Like I don't wake up to an alarm clock. I just wake up. That's so, so um, so I try not to go to bed too late because then I like, I'll miss the, Early and I'll be wake. I'll be getting woke up by like notifications that I've got meetings. But yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, I try to get seven to eight hours. We've been we've been watching. I've been catching up on the Mandalorian, so okay. my hours have been shorter because I've been binge uh -oh. watching Mandalorian. <laughs> and then me and my wife trying to watch season four of Cobra Kai. So I've oh been going to bed gosh. at like one in the morning. But oh yeah, I'm normally gosh. in bed by ten or eleven, and I normally wake up seven or eight o'clock in the morning. Last um, two questions. Last two questions. So, yep. what are your convictions around your schedule? and your time and all these different things you're doing family life kids projects pioneering activism podcasts youtube what are your convictions around how, how you use time um fidelity mm. do what you say you're going to do that's and if great. you need to say you're going to do less to make sure you don't break promises then do less that's great right that's so cool. that that's one thing if i tell my kids i'm doing something then i'm doing it if i tell my wife i'm doing something then I'm doing it. Like if, you know, like I try not to have to reschedule anything. Um, I use, you know, we schedule through, I, I use AI tools and I block out time on my calendar. So I try to, my time is like, it's not, I'm, time is valuable, but to me, and I, and I, I did a YouTube video that'll probably drop maybe this week or next week, but it's, it's about um, processes and broken promises. Like we need to stop breaking promises because that's why a lot of fam, like a lot of wives don't trust Christian entrepreneurs because mm. oh baby this is going to work out and then we disappoint people too much so if wow. we've got to make less commitments so that we the so that we have fidelity to our word like i can't tell my kids i'm going to tuck them in every night mm. because sometimes i can't sometimes i'm on a call and, and it's time for them to go to bed so like i don't even make that commitment so from a time perspective what you commit to make sure you can do and don't overcommit yourself because once you start breaking promises then, then you know what I mean it just creates especially with your family yeah. right it like you know that then like I don't you know I don't want my son to expect me not to do what I say I'm gonna do like my daughters my kids will tell you if I say it I'm going to do it mm. um so I'd rather say no and surprise them than say yes and disappoint them right so um so that's yeah managing it absolutely important and your family should be the top priority don't break you know that yeah, everybody else can come second to the promises we make to our family because they are around us all the time. We can't afford for them not to trust what we say. That's right. That's so good, man. This has been amazing. I have one final question and then we're done. We're out of here. You ready? All right. I'm ready. What's your son's middle name? 
Daniel. What's my, it mean? Uh, my uncle that I grew up with, he died of cancer uh, right before my son was born. He was 35. Mm-hmm. Um, and so his middle name was Daniel. So I gave my son his middle name. So my son's first name is Royce, which actually means the son of Roy in French. Um, and it's Daniel because my family's Jamaican. So they spell names phonetically. Um, mm-hmm. So since when they, so if they say the, the name Daniel, like the English name Daniel, they actually say Daniel with like a U-L. So that's how they spell the name. So yeah, my son's, my son's middle name is Daniel. I love it. We're going deeper. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're going deeper now. Man, I appreciate your time. Um, where can people connect with you? Where's the best place for them to go? Yeah. Um, so the best, you know, probably one stop shop is Google me, right? Like my yeah. SEO is rather high. There's not a lot of Boom. Roy Dockeries, but <laughs> if you Google past the Roy Dockery, it'll literally the first thing that normally pops up is my website. Um, yeah. So, but my website is RoyDockery.org. Um, you can get the YouTube channel from there, the podcast, the, the link to the book is up there, the devotional, the music. Um, whatever else, everything about me is is on the website. Um, um, you know, YouTube, Pastor Roy Dockery, Instagram, Pastor Roy Dockery. So, dude, I, I just want to say as we close out, um, and it probably goes without saying, but that's how the saying goes. So I have to do the thing that goes after that part of the saying, which is your authenticity in pursuit of truth and vulnerability, and um, it's felt and it's awesome and it's needed. And I hope this isn't the last time we bring you back. I hope you're just like a reoccurring guest who we can keep learning from and growing with and growing from. And so I'm thankful for your life, man. I'm thankful for what you carry. And I'm so glad we met. I'm so glad you got on that flight, came to the Brave Work <laughs> event. And uh, next time I won't be as naive not to be booking you for the Brave Work event and you'll be <laughs> on stage. <laughs> and I look forward to that day. That's so. awesome, man. Yeah, I, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. And, and definitely, man, I, I love what you do. And, and even just the way you represent for your, your family and, and the unit that you are with the creativity and that support. Um, it's encouraging you in that. Like I start, I've started bringing my wife on my YouTube channel because so many, so many young entrepreneurs are married. And there's yeah. a lot of us talking, right? A lot of, yeah. a lot of the husbands talking about what yeah. we're doing. And our wives are like, you know, balancing eight plates on her head while like juggling children at the same time. Um, yeah. So I, I love the fact that you bring her in because there's a lot of people who, you know, whose wives are kind of playing that supportive role. So seeing mm-hmm. you guys as a team um, is something encouraging that I think people need as well. So I'll encourage you to keep doing that because people absolutely need to see it and they want to mm-hmm. hear from the wives. Right. They want to hear what that side of the story is, man. But definitely you're yeah. welcome on the Savage Truth anytime, the podcast, the YouTube channel, um, whatever, man, in any way I can I can serve, you know, let me know. I appreciate you, man. Have a great year. We'll, we'll be back. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you found this podcast at all encouraging or exciting or intriguing, I hope that you'll share it with a friend. Maybe they will too. And I can't wait to see you back for the next episode. Until then, do brave work.